welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wimba, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your sisters and brothers in spirit. And I pray that those higher qualities continue to expand within the hearts and minds of everyone everywhere to the loving energy of our individual beings flood the atmosphere with more love, more love, more love, and understanding for our fellow citizens on this earth. And the love and light of our mighty I Am Presence radiates so brightly and intensely that the dominion of hate and darkness can no longer stand to exist and soon perish. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under their Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. During the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over, they must let their hair grow long. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them, because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. If someone dies suddenly in the Nazarite's presence, thus defiling the hair that symbolizes their dedication, they must shave their head on the seventh day, the day of their cleansing. Then on the eighth day they must bring two doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The priest is to offer one as a sin offering, and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for the Nazarite because they sinned by being in the presence of the dead body. That same day they are to consecrate their head again. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of dedication must bring a year-old male lamb as a guilt offering. The previous days do not count, because they became defiled during their period of dedication. Now this is the law of the Nazarite when the period of their dedication is over. They are to be brought to the entrance to the tent of meeting. There they are to present their offerings to the Lord, a year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a year-old ewe lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, and a basket of bread made with the finest flour and without yeast, thick loaves with olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves brushed with olive oil. The priest is to present all these before the Lord and make the sin offering and the burnt offering. 
He is to present the basket of unleavened bread and is to sacrifice the ram as a fellowship offering to the Lord, together with its grain offering and drink offering. Then at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the Nazarite must shave off the hair that symbolizes their dedication. They are to take the hair and put it in the fire that is under the sacrifice of the fellowship offering. After the Nazarite has shaved off the hair that symbolizes their dedication, the priest is to place in their hands a boiled shoulder of the ram, and one thick loaf and one thin loaf from the basket, both made without yeast. The priest shall then wave these before the Lord as a wave offering, they are holy and belong to the priest, together with the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. After that, the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite who vows offerings to the Lord in accordance with their dedication in addition to whatever else they can afford. They must fulfill the vows they have made, according to the law of the Nazarite. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Number 6 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 3 What would the pious Epiphanius say were he to resuscitate and step into St. Peter's Cathedral at Rome? Ambrosius seems also very desperate at the idea that some persons fully credited the statement of Lampridius that Alexander Severus had in his private chapel an image of Christ among other great philosophers. That the pagans should have preserved the likeness of Christ, he exclaims, but the disciples have neglected to do so, is a notion the mind shudders to entertain, much less to believe. All this points undeniably to the fact that except a handful of self-styled Christians who subsequently won the day, all the civilized portion of the pagans who knew of Jesus honored him as a philosopher, an adept whom they placed on the same level with Pythagoras and Apollonius. When such a veneration on their part for a man, were he simply, as represented by the synoptics, a poor, unknown Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. As an incarnated God there is no single record of him on this earth capable of withstanding the critical examination of science, as one of the greatest reformers, an inveterate enemy of every theological dogmatism, a persecutor of bigotry, a teacher of one of the most sublime codes of ethics, Jesus is one of the grandest and most clearly defined figures on the panorama of human history. His age may, with every day, be receding farther and farther back into the gloomy and hazy mists of the past, and his theology, based on human fancy and supported by untenable dogmas may, nay, must with every day lose more of its unmerited prestige, alone the grand figure of the philosopher and moral reformer instead of growing paler will become with every century more pronounced and more clearly defined. It will reign supreme and universal only on that day when the whole of humanity recognizes but one Father, the unknown one above, and one brother, the whole of mankind below. H. P. Blavatsky In a pretended letter of Lentulus, a senator and a distinguished historian, to the Roman Senate, there is a description of the personal appearance of Jesus. The letter itself, written in horrid Latin, is pronounced a barefaced forgery, but we find therein an expression which suggests many thoughts. Albeit a forgery, it is evident that whosoever invented it has nevertheless tried to follow tradition as closely as possible. 
The hair of Jesus is represented in it as wavy and curling, flowing down upon his shoulders, and as having a parting in the middle of the head after the fashion of the Nazarenes. This last sentence shows, 1, that there was such a tradition, based on the biblical description of John the Baptist, the Nazarea, and the custom of this sect. 2. Had Lentulus been the author of this letter, it is difficult to believe that Paul should never have heard of it, and had he known its contents, he would never have pronounced it a shame for men to wear their hair long, thus shaming his Lord and Christ God. 3. If Jesus did wear his hair long and parted in the middle of the forehead, after the fashion of the Nazarenes, as well as John, the only one of his apostles who followed it, then we have one good reason more to say that Jesus must have belonged to the sect of the Nazarenes, and been called Nazaria for this reason and, and not because he was an inhabitant of Nazareth, for they never wore their hair long. The Nazarite, who separated himself unto the Lord, allowed no razor to come upon his head. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow, says Numbers 6-5. Samson was a Nazarite, i.e., vowed to the service of God, and in his hair was his strength. No razor shall come upon his head, the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, Judges 13:5. But the final and most reasonable conclusion to be inferred from this is that Jesus, who was so opposed to all the Orthodox Jewish practices, would not have allowed his hair to grow had he not belonged to this sect, which in the days of John the Baptist had already become a heresy in the eyes of the Sanhedrin. The Talmud, speaking of the Nazarea or the Nazarenes, who had abandoned the world like Hindu yogis or hermits, calls them a sect of physicians, of wandering exorcists, as also does Jervis. They went about the country, living on alms and performing cures. Epiphanius says that the Nazarenes come next in heresy to the Corinthians, whether having existed before them or after them, nevertheless synchronous, and then adds that all Christians at that time were equally called Nazarenes. H.P. Blavatsky Volume 16. The loved ones of my heart, as the angelic host are drawing greater and greater power of the sacred fire into outer physical conditions for the correction of the affairs of mankind, I wish to offer assistance to you all, if you care to accept that which we want to bring into physical conditions for your protection and victory, and for the relief of mankind from distress. The masses of the people intuitively feel there is such a thing as a guardian angel because they feel the necessity of protection against destructive forces. But individuals know so little about the angelic host, and they could have so much more help if they understood what they could do to cooperate with the great cosmic law and the way it releases that help through the angelic host. So therefore, tonight I'm going to give you a secret of power, a power that can never bring you discord of any kind, that you may use without limit, and is always at hand, for this reason. When you individualize from the great central sun, the cosmic law provided an angel to guard your life stream until either you were ascended or met the second death. The angel of the presence that guards each embodiment, that has guarded your life stream since you left the great central sun, is ever ready to pour you the power of its love. It has poured you that power and love or you would not be in the light today. It is the being that comes with you into individualization that keeps drawing the magnetic power of the great central sun magnet around you for the fulfillment of the great divine plan. And since that is your divine birthright and original heritage, you have the right to use this decree which I shall give you now, to draw more power into the outer physical world for your greater protection, freedom, and assistance to others. 
There is no excuse for being set up about this acknowledgement, so, try to remain very humble in your love and gratitude to the Angel of the Presence for all the good you have received, and pour that love and gratitude to the Great Ascended Host who have been your guarding presence also, until you have come thus far in the light. But tonight, because of the need that you're going to face in the outer world, I think you will be very much delighted and very happy if you will use this decree. I am the power flame of the great angelic host. Now, our power flame is the power of our love. It also contains the wisdom of that love and power. And remember this, anything that comes from the angelic host is always held in perfect balance. There is never at any time anything can flow or come through any of the angelic host but the perfect balance of love, wisdom, and power. Therefore, it always produces perfection. Beloved Archangel Michael Now you might say to the outer self, well, I don't look much like the power flame of the angelic host. Perhaps you don't from the outer, but you don't know what you look like from the inner. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. If you hadn't looked very wonderful tonight, I would not have been able to give you this at this particular time. I'm telling you this not to feed your ego for any reason at all, but to give you the encouragement and the use of a greater power of our love which the world needs, not just you individually. The ground you tread upon needs our power flame of love. Weary mankind, in its struggle against human creation, needs the power of our love. And you, the more you reach up to draw forth the powers of your presence into your outer use, will need the power of our love also. For our love is always a protecting power, and the wisdom of that power brings much illumination that all can use with very great benefit. So blessed ones, I'm going to watch with very great interest your feeling world when you begin to use this decree. I am the power flame of the angelic host. Now I wouldn't go out and brag about this, discuss it. If you are wise, you will keep it locked within the silence of your own heart and talk not about it to people of the outer world. Just let the power be drawn in and around you and reveal itself and its blessings to life wherever you abide by the deeds you do, by the works you perform, by the blessings you give, and by the perfection you express. And therefore, if you keep it in the silence of your own heart's love, you will find it act very much more quickly. Your concentration of the power will be more rapid, more powerful, and bring you its blessings in a very, very delightful way. You see, if mankind understood the sacredness of the great, divine trusts which life gives to each one, as you might call it, a confidence from God to you, the confidence of your presence or the ascended host to you is a sacred trust, and love it in the silence, you would find its powers releasing through you very much more rapidly. And your mastery would come very much more easily. And you would find an invincible protection that you do not have unless those powers and trusts from your presence and from us are considered a sacred, wondrous gift of love, upon which no impudent force of the outer world should be allowed to intrude. And if I were you, and people who are brace and try to question you about some of these sacred trusts from the presence, I would not hesitate an instant in saying, what my God has given me is God's trust and love to me, and is none of your business. I would settle that thing, because the impudence of the sinister force is unbridled, and you're not obligated at any time to answer impudent questions. I would not give the quarter for an instant to that sinister thing that wants to either cast dishonor and discredit upon that which is of God that is helping you, or try to make you refuse to acknowledge the great miracles and blessings that love so wondrously bestows upon the people of earth. Beloved Archangel Michael, 